This episode of the Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold, hard cash with their over-under game. Just head to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone or join the SGPN group and Sleeper automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com slash SGP. And make sure to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. And welcome once again to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here with the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Sunday at night, which means a couple of things. First of all, it means that Wimbledon is officially over. And it also means that we have to transition to a couple of other smaller tennis tournaments as the rest of the season resumes. But I'm not doing it alone. I'm joined once again by my co-host, Sam Jacob. Sam, you know, I try to be modest in this business because I know that one day you can do really well. And the next day, of course, you can get punched in the face when it comes to gambling. I'm going to have to pat ourselves on the back because we absolutely crushed it. Shout out to Stone. If you watched the last episode, you made a bunch of money. How you doing, Sam? Yeah, we did pretty well in both those finals there, hitting the dog at Rybakina at plus 400. I know we've been saying Rybakina. The uh, correct pronunciation is Rybakina, so I'll go ahead with Rybakina from If we on. pronounce a name incorrectly, we will learn and make sure we do it correctly the rest <laughs> of the time. There you go. So yeah, we hit that. We hit the two to one with Rabakina and the over two and a half sets and the over in the game. So you know we swept across the board there, and then we got to the Djokovic match this morning, and we had uh, players to win uh, both both players to win a set. Uh, you picked you you shouted out Kyrgios to win that first set at plus one ninety five. That was, was my just, goal. Yeah, just a sweep across the board. It was a beauty. It was a good pickup from what we had at the beginning of Wimbledon. They're losing a couple of our locks, a couple of dogs. So winning a couple of those big plays right there does help a lot. And Sam, I will congratulate you though, because since I've been on several podcasts before from the SGPN family, and since you have not, that was your first ever sweep of the lock and dog. How do you feel? That's right. That's right. I feel re rejuvenated and energized to keep going with these two tournaments that are coming up this week. Yeah. And also just a shout out stone. I know he also liked the over two and a half sets there in the women's match. He also liked Djokovic in four, which was very solid for him. We made a couple of personal plays as well. I had Nadal or Djokovic to win the title at like minus minus one fifty on uh, a book, which was a little bit dangerous because, of course, Nadal withdrew. That worked out for me. I'm going to recap the uh, futures or the outrights that I gave out before the actual tournament started. So to go through those, Djokovic to win minus 115. I had that for three units. Berrettini I had. That got voided because, of course, he did not play. You had Herkaz at 18-1 to for 0.5. That lost. I had Djokovic to win the quarter at minus 300. That's three units to win one unit. That one... Herc has to win the quarter, toss it out. I had half a unit on Nori to win the quarter at plus 800, that one. And then I had a really bad beat with Fritz to win the quarter at 12 to 1 for a quarter of a unit there. Lost in five sets, blew a 2 one, uh, one set lead to an injured Nadal. So overall in the outrights, went 3-3 three and three for plus 5.86 units. We crushed it. So anything else you want to add before we... 
kind of transition? Do you have any takeaways from the finals themselves? Anything you liked about the match itself? Yeah, early on we had a couple. We had a couple of those outrights with Tommy Paul, who ended up losing to Nori, who ended up having to play Djokovic. Uh, but other than that, yeah, we, we did we did pretty well in these futures here. And uh, uh, early on in that match, uh, a lot of people. I, I had a lot of people texting me. Kyrgios can take it, and in my mind, I I just laughed because we've been here before, man. Yeah, you got to watch Djokovic more if you're going to have that opinion. You really got to see what he's he's done in the past and see what he can do because you know he's going to turn it around. It's not going to be Kyrgios easy, and if Djokovic turns it around at all, he's going to win the match. You know, against Medvedev last year in the U.S. Open, he couldn't turn it around. That's how he lost the match. But uh, if he's able to turn it around even a little bit, you know he's going to come out victorious. And with a guy against like being guy a guy being against a guy like Nick Kyrgios, Kyrgios um, he, he wasn't not going to turn it around. So, uh, yeah, Djokovic won the four sets, and uh, we did pretty well. Yeah, all I know is that the people who contacted you about Kyrgios potentially taking it clearly didn't watch the podcast because my dog was Kyrgios to win the first set, and at no point were we concerned about Djokovic really losing at any point. We thought that maybe the extra rest would give Kyrgios an advantage, but he stated in the post-match presser that it actually made things worse for him and that he had not slept in several days because of the nerves. So the extra time off did actually more harm than good for Kyrgios leading up to the match. At the end of the day, the match could be summed up pretty, I'd say, quickly. 40 love. Is is that really the main takeaway there when Kyrgios was leading for uh, 40 love in... The third set, I believe, right? It was the third set? Yeah. It was the third set, and he ended up getting broken while leading 40-love at 4-4. And after that, I'll give Kyrgios props because he did not get broken the rest of the match. Went to a breaker in the fourth. But you can't hand out sets to Djokovic like that. And Djokovic wore him down. He got the early mini break, a couple of them actually, in the tiebreaker and then Kyrgios looked like he was just punting the tiebreaker because he knew that he was beaten. But congrats to Djokovic for winning another Grand Slam. He's once again won behind Nadal. Can he play in the U.S. Open? Not right now. I'm assuming that he will be allowed to because, hell, Kyrie Irving can play home games for the Nets. So I do think you'll see Djokovic being, uh, being able to win another Grand Slam potentially in the U.S. Open. We'll cross that bridge when we cross that bridge. He better be able to play U.S. Open. I mean, there's no reason for for this keeping players out because of the vaccination status. And we also live in New York, so we're aware of the fact that New York isn't exactly the strictest nowadays when it comes to enforcing any laws of any kind with masks or with really just showing vaccination cards. I've never had to show a vaccination card in New York. And when it comes to actual max uh, mask requirements it's just ride it's just ride sharing stuff right i mean you can go on planes without a mask anymore yeah i mean new york is actually probably one of the strictest when it comes to these rules and they don't even have them at this yeah, point that's what i'm saying so uh, there's no reason uh, there's no reason for him not to be able to play in this us open it's, it's like you said Kyrie can play home games now so what's the reason why djokovic can't play in this tournament i mean you want to test him for covid every match fine but let him play uh, it's it's really ridiculous. So I got a question for you, though, when it comes to that uh, post-game interview. Do you buy this Djokovic saying that he actually has this bromance with Kyrgios? I know he, he said, you know, it's officially a bromance now, but he, he just beat him Wimbledon. What else is he supposed to say? 
I personally think that Kyrgios is one of his better friends on tour. <laughs> and the reason why I say that, I don't think it was always the case, because of the COVID situation with Australia and the fact that Djokovic, when he was trying to go through the courts, the actual you know legal courts, not the tennis courts, to play on the tennis courts, <laughs> everyone turned on him. And Nadal spoke out against him. A couple of high-profile players spoke against him. And whether or not Djokovic went through the right channels to actually play or to give, have the opportunity to play in Australia, a lot of people turned on him in the court of public opinion. And the fact that Kyrgios, whether you like him or not, is the most recognizable Australian player, and he supported Djokovic, I do think that actually did a lot for their friendship. And I do think that since Kyrgios was one of the only people, especially from Australia, to speak out in favor of Djokovic, I actually do think they're pretty decent friends. Yeah, I can. I mean, I can understand that. But when you go back to before this and all the words that Kyrgios has said to Djokovic, it, it doesn't go away, in my opinion. I, in the back of Djokovic's mind, he definitely, I think he definitely has that. Like, you know, this guy could turn any single second. You know? I think everybody realizes what Kyrgios is besides Tsitsipas. I think people just know that Kyrgios's words and his actions during matches, you kind of have to separate because we know that he's an extremely emotional guy. And we saw him yell at his crew a couple of times. We saw him yell at the chair ump, of course, which we expected. But I feel like everybody can separate Kyrgios off the court and on the court. And off the court, Kyrgios and Djokovic, as far as I know, haven't had any issues. Yeah, I would love if actually Djokovic started helping Kyrgios more and actually brought some class to his game and to his antics and maybe actually makes him, I would think, make him a better player overall. Maybe even help his mentality moving forward in these tournaments where, you know, he gets down a, a break or two in a set and decides, you know, I'm done from the tournament. If Djokovic can help him there, he could be a much, much better player. I would, I would actually very much love, like to see that. So you're mentioning potential practice partners. I'm thinking if somehow Kokonakis gets injured again, maybe you cross him for doubles. Maybe. <laughs> that would be interesting. That I would like to see. Djokovic well. hasn't really been involved in doubles frequently, right. but I feel like that would be a fun pairing at minimum. I think that's definitely a fun idea. But to answer your question, I do think they're actually friends because of what happened with Australia and the Australian Open and how everyone turned his ba their back on Djokovic and he was kind of turned into a leper. And... Kyrgios, the local guy, took a stance and he stood with him. I think that goes a long way, in my opinion. But either way, that's all the COVID talk for this episode. But we had to bring it up because U.S. Open, of course, is on people's mind. And if Djokovic can tie Nadal again for the Grand Slam record on the men's side. But either way, before we get into the upcoming tournaments for this week, we're going to take a quick word from our sponsor. Make sure to get down on the wins bet $50 to win $200 promotion where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. Bet $500 on sports or casino before July 31st and you get entered for a shot to win the ultimate fantasy football draft experience at Encore Beach Club, including a two-night stay at Wynn Resorts for you and your entire league. Plus, you have a chance to party with DJ Diesel. If you bet $100 on NBA or casino, you are entered into a prize drawing to attend a DJ Diesel who is Shaq of course, performance at Encore Beach Club at night, as well as a meet and greet with DJ Diesel this summer. Plus, if you also bet $100 from Thursday to Sunday on the U.S. Open, you will earn an entry into a prize drawing where the winner and a guest will receive a complimentary round of golf at Wynn 
Golf Club and a two-night stay at Wynn Las Vegas. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com to get started. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I personally use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now there's a new way to make money on there with their new over-under game. It's very simple. First in any sport, pick two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, the number of points in a basketball game or the hits in a baseball game. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money that you put in. The main reason why I'm excited about the over-under contest is because of the fact that it's the only app where you can join your buddies' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com SGP, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's right, join our squad and get the 100% deposit match at sleeper.com slash SGP. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Now, before we went on break, we recapped what happened with Wimbledon and how, once again, us two in stone dominated the finals. So, pat on the back there once again. But it's time to pivot because the show must go on. And, of course, with the U.S. Open coming up, we're finally switching to hard courts. Actually, wait a second. What? It says here that there are two tournaments, and one of them is grass, and one of them is clay. Very interesting dynamic, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, hopefully, I mean, I think that they're gonna they're gonna probably switch to hard court after after these two tournaments. I, I actually know that they will. But uh, yeah, we have two different tournaments that are coming up this week. Clay court and grass court. We finished with grass court in Wimbledon. Wait a second. Nope. Newport. Let's do it. So we'll start off with uh, the other one, the clay tournament. And yes, even though most people transition to hard courts in Europe, there's always a clay court tournament going around. Mm -hmm. There's just so many clay courts available in Europe that that's the majority of the tournaments available on that surface. But either way, starting off with Bastad, uh, we're going to go through the actual outrights here in Sweden. And Kasparud favored, not exactly surprising, defending champion at around plus 175. Uh, besides that, you have Rublev at plus 275. I'm sure a lot of people forgot about Rublev because he wasn't allowed to show up at Wimbledon. He's back on clay. Then you have Schwartzman at 10 to 1, uh, Karina Busta at 12 to 1, Batista Agut. I know he withdrew in Wimbledon, but apparently he's healthy now at 12 to 1. Then you have Rune at 12 to 1, Fokina 16 to 1. Baez, 18 to 1. I can keep going down the line, but if there's really any outrights, I'm sure we'll go out of our way to tell you. So, just starting off with this actual tournament, where exactly do you think some value might lie? Do you think it makes sense to lay 175 plus 175 with the defending champion? Or do you just think that with Rude having so much time off after the early Wimbledon loss that he might be a bit rusty on the transition back to Clyde? Yeah, one of, one of the things that I look for the most is these transitions from courts, uh, from grass courts back to clay court, clay courts to 
grass courts, hard courts, or clay court, whatever it may be. And I get a little suspicious when I see that because they're just first doing the, the courts again, the, this new court again. They're used to the old courts. And you have a guy like Casper Root who's easily the best of these of this field, but you can only get a plus 175 on him here. I mean, he's easily the best, and but he still has to play these matches, and he's transitioning to a new court. Uh, I don't think that there's uh, there's value on him. So what I would do is I would immediately take a look at the other half of this uh, bracket and see where I can what I can get from there. Well, I am going to go through some of the recent winners so people can just get a, a I'd say a full on scope of the tournament itself. First of all, one of the older tournaments, been around since 1948. Fun fact. Anyway, to go through the recent winners, these are going to make you laugh, but I'll go through them in order and. There are a couple of players, particularly one who was a top 10 player, top five player for a piece, but for the most part, usually ranked, but in the teens to 20s. So to go in order here, Casper Ruud won last year, beat Coria. Coria had a very nice Cinderella run, uh, run there. Didn't have it for 2020. Nicholas Jari won it in 2019. He's mostly in challengers now. Fognini won in 2018. David Ferrer won. And Ferrer, of course, was the top 10 guy that I was talking about. You had Ramos Vinolas. You had Benoit Pair. That's right. Benoit Pair actually kept it together for a week, and he actually won a tournament. Wow. wow. Uh, Pablo Cuevas, uh, personal favorite of Sam and I. <laughs> uh, Carlos Berloque. And then, of course, you have Ferrer again, and those are actually where it usually becomes well-known players. But the point is, since 2012, you've had Ferrer twice. Or since 2013, you had Ferrer once. You had Rude once. Other than that, though, a lot of quality clay court players that are usually outside the top 10. Do you think that previous year's results can dictate how you bet on this tournament? Or do you think it's just its own independent monster? Uh, it, it could. It could. It depends on how the player is performing now compared to a year ago or two years ago. It also depends on the winners of the tournament. When we look at the, when you when you hear those winners of that of this tournament in the past, the only name that's possible here is Casper Ruud. You hear Fonini, you hear Ferrer who's retired, you hear Beloke, you hear all these guys. It's you, you throw that in in the trash. Fognini technically can do it, but he's still going through some some rounds. Uh, yeah, but it doesn't matter because it's Fonini now. I mean, yeah, I know. I'm I'm just saying, if you want to talk that. about backing past winners, technically Fognini's available, but he plays again an extra match tomorrow. So just keep that in mind. So fatigue yeah. might be a factor. Plus, I just mentioned the winners. I didn't mention the runner-ups. There's usually at least one Cinderella involved. 2019, you had Jari against Londero. So that was a two kind of long shots there. Fagnini against Gasquet. Gasquet is a bit older, but of course, that's a bit surprising. He made it to a final. Dolgopolov made it to a final and lost to Ferrer. So Dolgopolov was the Cinderella story there. Ramos Vinolas ended up beating Verdasco. He had a couple in there. Cuevas beat Jao Souza, for example. You had older Robredo who made the final in 2015. There's been some Cinderella runs. That's what we're trying to say. Right, yeah, uh, but in th in this tournament, I can't I can't really look at those and consider any of them except for Rude to win this tournament. But like I said before, as soon as soon as I see Rude and I see only a plus one seventy five, I take a look immediately. Go to the other quarters on the other side of the yeah. bracket. I go to the bottom half of the bracket instead of looking at Rude's side. And we see in the bottom half, we see 
Rublev is the second seed. He's in the bottom quarter. He's with Rune as the seventh seed of of the um, of the tournament. And then you have the third the third quarter. So you're looking at the third and fourth quarter. That was the fourth quarter. Third quarter, you have Bautista Agu, and you have Rusev Wari in there. Davidovich Fakina, Baez, all these you know toss up type of players. And that's where you could try to find some value here because they're going to be one of them is going to come out and win the quarter and then you know you only have two more matches to play so you could be able to hedge later on if you're able to get a big price for one of those guys who aren't really playing such tough opponents so what I'm really looking at right now is I, I, Bautista Agu is the best player technically on in that quarter and he really didn't play so much clay. He no, was hurt really. for a little bit. Yeah. He he didn't he didn't play so much. I, I can't back him. So you're looking really at Rusev Wari, David Dobish Fukina, or Baez. Right. So um when you look at the odds here for let's just say which one mm, Take whichever one you want. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm trying to figure out which one I like most here. Yeah, Rusev Wari, let's just say he's twenty eight to one. I found thirty-three uh, that would be, to one. You, you found what? I found thirty-three to one. Thirty-three to one. Okay, even better. He he goes through Dominique team, who is not playing well in the slightest. He's one of my personal favorite yeah. players of all time. It's a shame. Uh, but he's really fallen off. So yeah, it's a real it's a shame. But I don't see him even coming close in this match since he can't win a match at all. Teams uh, won what one match in the entire year, and it was against the qualifier and some challenger event. It's bad. It's really, really bad. And, you know, you like to see him uh, play on the court and be on the court, but it, it's just, it's, it's yeah. a train wreck. It's going to take him, it's going to take him another year, most likely to hopefully regain top 25 caliber form because it took Warenka a couple of years after the knee injury. Right, right. Yeah. Same, same type of situation. He has to get back into form. So you have Rusevori playing him here and he, Rusevori should be advancing without a problem. Then he plays Bautista Gu, who, uh, you know, hasn't played clay and really can't trust him at all, even though he is the top seed in that quarter. Uh, Rusevori easily could get past him as well. And then he has to play David Ovechukina or Baez, who he could get past also. So you have a guy like uh, Rusevori here is 28 to 1. Uh, but then you have, to, you have to worry about the other opponents that he has to play in the quarters. He has to play Rublev, who has also been very good on clay. Um, he's, he's, he won, I believe it was Belgrade. Uh, this year and made a decent run in the French Open, but yeah, that's what you really look for when it comes to the concept of these type of tournaments, where you have this one big guy like Rude in here. You can't really have, you can't get value on him. So you look on the other side of the bracket and you see which one uh, could make a decent run with the easy cupcake quarter, and y- you go from there. Yeah, if you're asking me right now where I think the value lies, first of all, Rude deserves to be the favorite. I think right now he's the second best player on clay, arguably third if you want to put Djokovic at two. We know Nadal's one, but the point is he's top three on clay. I guess the question is, are you getting extra value at 160? Or are you better off just rolling over money lines for the entire tournament? Because I feel like you're just better off rolling over money lines. Yeah, I really, it, it's tough to say. It's tough to say because you, you don't know what the money lines are going to look like. He'll be favored in every match, but I, I just don't see where the value, I just, I can't take Rude at plus 160. I understand why he's so low. I just can't do it, especially with the history of the long shots in the past. I am going to take some spins with some longer shots. And you mentioned one of them. I'm just going to jump in on it. Do you have anything else you want to add before I jump into some? No, go, go ahead. Gonna, 
So you mentioned him, but I got to throw him out there. I'm looking at Baez at 20 to 1. And we know that Baez is a clay court specialist. We know that he is small in stature, similarly to Schwartzman, which is why the clay has been very kind to him. But he's tremendous at moving. And of course, he has a pretty under, is a pretty tough matchup in the first round because he's gone up against a guy who is a phenomenal server. And we know that Rinderknich is a solid, solid server who's also pretty tall. So that could be a bit of a concern. But the movement makes him extremely dangerous against anybody. And we know Baez is going to battle. Now, serving-wise, it's not great. It's really similar to watching Schwartzman. But I do think, based on the value alone, you're getting a guy who pushes Verev to five sets in the French Open. And I know that doesn't sound great, or it might sound okay because he lost the match. A reminder is Verev arguably should have been up a set or potentially tied with Nadal in the French Open before he ruptured his Achilles. But he did have a chance there to win a set or two, blew the tiebreaker in one of them, and there were a bunch of breaks in the second set. He had a shot. So you can argue that Zverev could have been up two sets against, against Nadal in the French Open. Of course, he got injured. But the point is the fact that Baez could push right now the number two player in the world because the ATP rankings are broken. But I've seen Baez compete with top-tier guys on clay, and I do think that Baez's value is really tempting. And if he can get past the first round, he go up against Fakina or Souza. I'm assuming Fakina. We know Fakina's good on clay, but he's also a lunatic. And if Baez can keep the ball in play, I do think that you're looking at a situation where Fakina might just hit a bunch of unforced errors and beat himself. Then you go through the rest of the region. You have Rusevori team. Let's assume Rusevori and Agut. I think Baez checks a lot of boxes for guys that could make a run in this event. And that's one of my main long shots I'm looking at. Do you also have Baez on your list, or you're looking elsewhere? Uh, yeah, the guy that's in that quarter is who I, who I would, is where I would focus in on. The guy that I think can come out of that quarter could be Baez, could be Rusevori. I think that's where you, your, your value is lying here. No they offense, but we're tossing team out. No offense. No, you, you can't really include him with how he's been, how he's been performing. Right. And then, you know, you have the opposite side of Schwartzman and Rude. So you have, hopefully, you come out of that quarter and you have one match versus Rublev and you have a hedging opportunity. So, yeah, I, I'm with you on uh, that pick in that quarter too. Well, I am going to ask uh, just for one of my somewhat favorites that I'm interested in. But before I do that, I do want to ask you about kind of an elephant in the room in this tournament. Is it weird that Basilashvili and Karatsev are playing when they both got accused of match-fixing on Sunday? Yeah, I don't know if they're going to be playing. I'm assuming they're not. Yeah, I think ATP might strike down and just remove them from... Unless it's allegations and they'll let them play until something actually comes of it. I feel like they're going to try to investigate it and remove them, but I, I guess we'll see when it comes Tuesday if that's what they're going to do. But from the I'm past, just saying because I wouldn't bet on either of them. I would potentially no. fade them if they're going to be distracted but right. they might not participate. So just keep that in mind. 
Right. Yeah. That's a, that, those are two good fading, uh, fading options for you. Yeah. Because it's so, there's so much distractions going on right now and uh, there's no way that they have their heads in the game. Karatsev has to play a guy like Sonego, who's uh, pretty good, good on, on clay. clay. Yeah. Pretty good on clay. And Hugo Gaston against Basilashvili. Basilashvili, if he's distracted, could really throw away a match. So yeah, that's two good fading options for you. Just throwing it out there because the punishment for Max fixing for a first offense, I believe is two years. So this might be the last time potentially that they play tennis for a while, assuming that the investigation moves quickly. So if you're interested in Karatsev or in Basilashvili, my advice would be don't be because they might not play and they might lose early. So just keep that in mind. But I'm going to mention one of the favorites or one of the top four, so to speak. I said I'm not going to take Rude. Rublev I'm not interested in because he hasn't played in about a month and a half because he couldn't play in Wimbledon. Schwartzman's interesting, but I'm not a big fan of the draw that he's in personally. Uh, you have any thoughts on Schwartzman quickly? Uh, yeah, I think Schwartzman, Schwartzman has a good chance to get out of his quarter here. He, he has to play Rude in, in the yeah. semis, but the quarter is uh, Warinka, Karina Busta. They've both been kind of underwhelming, especially Karina Busta. I and mean, they've had injury it. issues in the past. So. Right. Um, yeah, it all accumulates up to Schwartzman. I think he's been very good on clay. He's been he's been doing well all clay season this year. I think Schwartzman has a great chance, and I do think he comes out of this quarter without. I think a he comes out of the quarter, but I don't think he's beating Rude. No, no, right. I don't. I don't think he's beating Rude either. If you're uh, right now, I don't see any quarter bets out there. But hopefully, something comes out maybe in the next twenty four hours where we could see some quarters odds, and Schwartzman would definitely be the guy that I would pick coming out of this quarter. Yeah, but when it comes to the 10-to-1, 12-to-1 range, there is one guy that I actually am very interested in. It's going to be Rune. Big fan of him as a player. And we saw that he ended up facing off against Rude, and it was a fun, it was a fun match, competitive. Of course, he lost. But we saw Rune end up beating Tsitsipas. He looked really good in the French Open. We know that Rune's an up-and-comer. So he's not even potentially reaching the surface of his potential because of course he's, you know, still a teenager. So I do think if you want to look for value and a very favorable draw, I really do think Rune has a shot to beat Rublev. And if you want to go through the actual matchups, facing a qualifier in round one, facing Musetti Dejir in the second round, and then Coria qualifier or Rublev in the third round. I don't know about you. I think he can beat Rublev. I think Rune is really, really good on clay. And I think he's still being undervalued as a result. And I know that he was awful in Wimbledon. You know I don't care because he really does not care about grass. And I had a decent amount of money on him losing to Giron in the first round. So he did me a solid there. But to go through clay here, I mean, he beat some good players. He beat Chapo in straight sets. He beat Loxanen. Beat Gaston. We know Gaston's a decent clay court player and in France beat Tsitsipas in four and he lost to the runner-up in four. So if you want to talk about top quality clay court guys, is Rune a top eight clay court player in the world? Top 10? Mm. Maybe. Uh, it's it, still early. It, it's very early. It, yeah, it's, it's so early that I really can't. I really would like to, but I, I can't put him up there with guys like Alcaraz coming into the coming into the field in the top ten. Uh, I can't really put him up there, but to top twenty, I, 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 I'll let him slide in there, no problem. Okay, but the point I'm trying to make is that since he's 19 years old, he's still a relative unknown, which sounds dangerous, but I truly believe that on clay. 
this is going to be one of the last years that you can get him in a 12 to one type range because the more results he puts up, which he will, because we've seen him on clay beat Chapo and Sitsipas. Hell, Sitsipas was the runner up in the French Open about a year or two ago. And he also took a set off Rude. I think 12 to one's a very good price on an up and coming star in the clay court scene. So I like the value on it based on future endeavors. Mm-hmm. You? Yeah, I, I, it makes sense. Uh, I guess the 12 to one or the 14 to one has to do with really uh, what he has to go through to get to the, to win the tournament. But you're looking at the region though, like Rublev hasn't played a match in a while. He has a buy in the first round. His first matchup is against Coria, who he just said was the runner up last year. So, and Coria is a clay court specialist. I think he can maybe give Rublev a run for his money. It would really not surprise me if Rublev gets upset early because he hasn't played in about a month and a half let alone on clay. He just couldn't play in Wimbledon. I think Corey has got a shot to pull the upset in round one. And I think Rune is good enough. If he, if he could take multiple sets off of Sitsipas, multiple sets off Chapo, and a set off Rude on clay, I think he's good enough to create a serious battle for Rublev. And the most important part, he's on the opposite side of Rude. Right. Yeah. I mean, that that does make a lot of sense. With, I don't think Rublev gets upset early. He he could lose a set, but yeah. if Brun does have a clear path to play Rublev here, and if he does end up beating Rublev, he plays the third, the cupcake third quarter, yeah. where then then he's just going to be playing Rude pretty much in the final, and then you have a hedging opportunity. So you really have one match that you're truly worried about before you're that opportunity, and then that's just Rublev. So that does make a lot of sense in terms of value and in terms of the money that you could make uh, after hedging just with uh, the match against Rude. And I personally think that Rune, since he has the same odds as Schwartzman to win the title, I think he could beat Schwartzman in a three-set clay match. So I do think that's definitely a possibility. But the fact that the main guy in his region is a guy who hasn't played in about a month and change, and he's against the defending runner-up in the first, in the fir- after the bye. Corey still has to go through a qualifier. I'm assuming he will. But facing the defending runner-up in your first clay match in X amount of months, that's really not a great scheduling spot for Rublev. No, it's not a great scheduling spot for Rublev. But he's the better Rublev player, this season, but I mean... This season on clay, he's, I think he's played very well. Like yeah. I said before, he won Belgrade. He beat Djokovic in Belgrade. Uh, he lost to Madrid to Tsitsipas, who's one of, the, one of the better clay players on tour. Uh, he won... Th- Four different rounds in the French Open before losing to Chilich. He had he did drop a set early in Belgrade to like a guy like Lechica, who yeah. is this kind of like Coria. So I do think he could drop a set. I don't think he'll lose early, but either way, uh, Rune just having to play Rublev and then basically being in the final is a good spot there. I yeah, mean, I agree. I'm going to push back a little bit because Coria is a significantly better clay court player than Lachia because Coria was a hardcore challenger clay event guy. He was all in on the clay tournaments for several years. So I do think his experience on, on clay could give Rublev problems if he gets past the first round. But I mentioned two guys that I like. I mentioned Rune. I mentioned Baez. Is there anybody else you want to talk about? Uh, I, I'm, I'm hopping in on that Rune also now that, now that you uh, gave it's me a, a pretty little bit of analysis draw. here. Because, yeah, he, he's got a good draw. And anyone, any, anytime you're going to be against the cupcake third quarter, I'm happy about it, uh, especially when you only have to play Rublev to get out of the quarter, and then you have to just play Rude. So I actually uh, definitely agree that I think the value is, if there's value on one player here, it is on Holger Rune. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm once again, I'm looking at the fact that based on the draw and on my projections for him, I think he's going to be closer to the plus 800 range moving forward. I know he's 19. Mm-hmm. He still hasn't won, of course, a huge tournament yet. So you might wonder if he's going to fade down the stretch, but the talent is there. And mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, I, de- I definitely agree with that. But either way, you have anything else you want to add for Bastad or should we potentially move on? Well, I do have one match I actually want to talk about Bastad. We, we touched about it already. Uh, team is playing Rusevori. And surprisingly, Rusevori in that match only minus 160. Dominic Team hasn't, pl- hasn't played well at all right now. He's won one match in qualifying in his past, like, eight matches or eight, ten matches. Yeah, I think, he's minus won, I, think he's eight, I think he's one and eight on the year. I know he won a qualifying match against somebody ranked in the three four hundreds, and then he lost to Bagness in the second round. Minus 160, are you kidding me? Absolutely. That's, that's one I'm going to be taking 100% on the money line. You could take the spread. You could take an alternative spread of like a minus five and a half game spread and get a good plus money there. You could take a 2 nothing Rusev Worry. Team has not been playing well in the slightest, and especially uh, when it comes to Clay here. He just gotten absolutely demolished all season long. Rusev Worry is not a bad player at all, and he's a big server also. That's minus 160, I think, is a lot of value. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value on that, too. But we are going to transition over to grass right after another word from our sponsors. SGPN also just relaunched its merch store. Tons of awesome gear from your favorite SGPN shows. Just go to store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com. That's store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com. We're also brought to you by Trade Coffee. Do you like to have delicious coffee delivered straight to your home? Then Trade Coffee has you covered. Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. On top of that, Trade Coffee also has a team of coffee experts that personally taste test over 450 roasts so they know exactly what to recommend for you all you have to do is answer a couple of questions and you'll get your own personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as often as you like trade also has a great deal going on right now they're offering new subscribers a total of 30 dollars off their first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com sgp that's more than 40 cups of coffee absolutely free Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash SGP and let trade find you a coffee that you'll love. That's drinktrade.com slash SGP for $30 off. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode does not actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private information to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. That means all your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IP Vanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing speed on computers, tablets, phones, even fire stick devices while streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. Plus, IP Vanish has a great deal in place. It's offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30 day money back guarantee. That's just like getting nine months absolutely free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't 
won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com slash SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast with the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We just went through the clay. Bit of a throwback post-French Open to go back to the clay. But now we're going to go to the grass because even though Wimbledon is over, the grass court tournaments keep coming. And we are traveling to Newport as we have ourselves one of the most recognizable grass court tournaments of the year. Can I say that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, of course, there's still some matches going on. It's kind of a weird schedule where they were doing some qualifying with some regular matches on the same day, which I found really bizarre for a Sunday. But either way, we still have odds on the outrights. We're going to travel to Newport and go through those odds right now. Felix is the favorite, as Augur Aliasim is plus 400. Isner is about plus 550. Sam, let me know if there's a better price as I read these off. Uh, Van Rithoven is 6-1. to one. Murray is 6-1. to one. Bublik is plus 650. Cressy is plus 750. Umber is 11 to 1. And Jack Sock is 22 to 1. A couple other players behind them. We'll get to them potentially later. But Sam, Felix is favored. Do you think he should be? Uh, do I think he should be? Yes. Do I, do I think that he's going to win the tournament? Not so sold. I'm happy to see some tournaments back in the United States. We'll see some more coming up. Uh, maybe uh, if you live close to them, you get a chance to take a glimpse of live tennis. Uh, we'll have Atlanta coming up as well with Washington in the summer. And then obviously we're going to be rounded off at the U.S. Open. But uh, for Newport... Uh, I think it's fair that Auger is favorited here, especially with his draw. Uh, he he has a bye in the first round, then he has to play either Kubler or Thompson, and then he has to play Duckworth or qualifier Hallis or Papyron. I mean, you really don't have anyone there that can match up to Auger's talent. But uh, I do not think I am too sold on him winning the entire tournament. Uh, the second quarter is what, is really stands out to me, and the third quarter, really. But second quarter, you have Bublik in there who has a bye, and then you have an interesting match on the other side of that quarter between Query and Murray. Query can turn it up at any point on grass. He could do very well, and so can Murray. I mean, we've seen flashes of Murray being a fraction of his quarter of his self in the past, which if you're a fraction of Andy Murray in the past, it's pretty, pretty goddamn good. So uh, that quarter gets a bit... Dicey, and then you have the third quarter, which has Richthofen, who we just seen play in grass, play very well, and lost a, you know, Novak Djokovic, not such an easy opponent. And then you took, have took a set, yeah, took a set off him as well. That's right. And uh, Cressy, who also has been very good on grass with the servant volley talent. And so those two guys stand out for me in the third quarter. And then you have the fourth quarter where you have Isner, and then he'll play either Humber or Gojocic or Kepfer, and then Bonzi on top. Bonzi's not too bad, but uh, in my opinion, I just see Isner cruising through it. He's won this tournament four different times already in the past. So Isner, he has a solid draw here to make a good run again. And he played very well in Wimbledon. You know, he, he really took it to Andy Murray. Andy Murray 
he was trying to pump himself up the whole time during that match, but it seemed like Isner was kind of squashing him the whole time with those big, big serves being a six foot 10 frame monster. So I think Isner has a good shot. He'll have to play one of those guys of Cressy Richthofen in the third quarter. Um, and I think actually the person who comes out of the third or fourth quarter will win the tournament. And also just to break down the difference between Wimbledon and this particular grass court tournament, this one's a lot faster. And we know that Wimbledon changed up the actual grass that they use pretty much after the Sampras era because he dominated Wimbledon for about a decade. And then in the middle of Federer's reign, they kind of made it a little bit, I'd say, slower, which is why Djokovic and some of these rally guys have been able to win without going to many tiebreakers. Djokovic won the Wimbledon going to one tiebreaker. That really doesn't happen that often based in previous you know, layouts for, the, for Wimbledon. If you want to go through the winners of this tournament... I'll go through them in order. Kevin Anderson, John Isner, Steve Johnson, John Isner, Ivo Karlovic, Raheem Ram, who's actually now a main doubles guy, but he was in the final against Karlovic. You had Leighton Hewitt against Karlovic. Hewitt against, against uh, Mahout. Mahout won that one. Isner and Isner. A lot of big servers. That's the main oh, takeaway, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, you got Ivo Karlovic in there. You got... Isn't there four different times? That I forgot to mention Moore. Moore was a good servant volley guy as well. Yeah, from the Netherlands. He's big. He had a big frame as well. I think he was about six four, six five. So you got. I think he was youth. from Luxembourg, actually. Luxembourg. Okay. I thought he was from Luxembourg. I stand. I stand corrected. But um, yeah, you got some really big servers on on that list. Um, but you also have really big servers in this tournament. Richtofen's very, very good at serving on grass. Cressy, you know, has been killing it with the serving volley game. Um, but then you have the guy that's the main theme over there is John Isner. And you have the the guys on the other side of the bracket. You got one big server, and it's Alexander Bublik. Sure, he can make a run, but you know he's not really he's not really set to yeah. be able to come through and win the finals. I, I yes, he has he has made it there in the past, but uh, when you have guys on the other side like Richthofen and Cressy and Isner, I, I I don't think he will get there. So I really think the guys that come out of the third or fourth quarter uh, will win the tournament. Yeah, but I kind of had to mention the difference between grass for Wimbledon and here because not all grass is created equal. Right. Does it? Factor in at all that this has been an American-dominated tournament. I know that Kevin Anderson won last year. They didn't do it in 2020. But Americans have won the trophy here in eight of the last 12. Do you, yeah, that sustain, I, I, do you think that's something you can read into? Because I think it has to be, right? It's 75% since 2009. <laughs> it depends on the guys who are playing in the tournament because you could always have a guy that comes in here who's you know a beast on grass and take over, and you still have Isner in the tournament, and you know he gets squashed by uh, you know one of those big grass players, but like Berrettini or something like that. But when you have a field like this where you have a lot of Americans in here, you have Query, you have Cressy, you have Isner. The, they have good shots, especially Cressy and Isner. So uh, it is something that is a factor when it comes to this tournament. Yeah, that's how I'm looking at it. But that's going to transition us to some of the potential outrights that we actually like. I know both of us are kind of out on Felix. He's a very good returner. He's a pretty good server. I don't think he's consistent enough with the serve. And with grass as fast as the one at Newport, I think he's just going to lose a couple of breakers and lose a match. 
Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's why I'm not really sold yeah. on him. We've seen him do that this whole this past in this grass season. So uh, I don't see why this would be any different, especially with this really fast grass. Yeah, so that's why I'm going to ask you first: Are you going with Isner? Are you pivoting? Where are you looking for the outrights? Um, I I look at Isner at plus five fifty, and it's not that much value for me. I like the draw is not great. The draw is not I, great. Yeah, I like Isner to come out of the quarter without a problem, but now you have to play Cressy or Richtavan, I think, and then you have to play in the finals. So, um, plus five fifty, you don't have a chance of any type of really big hedge going on there yeah. in the finals either. Um, I don't think that's where the value's at. If we're looking for value, I think you're going with either Richtavan or Cressy, the plus 600 or plus 750. Um, they should be able to come through in their specific quarters, and then they have to play either Isner or, and then the finals, which could be Auger or any of the guys up top, which, you know, aren't too spectacular uh, when it comes to their grass court game. So uh, when I, when I think of value, um, I mean, the difference between plus 550 and plus 600, though, is not so much. So maybe I would take out Richtavan and only consider Cressy here at the plus 750 mark. But um, at the plus 550, the plus 600, I'm throwing Richtavan away then. Uh, I'm looking really at Cressy here. Um, he's, won, he's won the grass tournaments in the past already. He won a grass court tournament um, recently. And now he's going to come up and play... I'm trying to remember, did you... Did he win or did he lose to Fritz in the finals? No, he, he, lost to, uh, he lost to Fritz in the finals, but he made a final recently, yeah. which you'd be able to hedge against. Um, and then he, he only has to play, I mean, he has to get through Richthofen and then he plays Isner. So when it comes to value, it's, there's not much here, but if I'm going to have to pick one, I'm going with Cressy at the plus 750. Yeah, so I mentioned before how Isner doesn't have a great draw. I actually misspoke. I, was ref- I actually meant to say Cressy because I'm not a fan of him playing Van Richthofen in the second round. Yeah. Isner... I mean, Bonzi's interesting, but Isner serving with this type of speed on the actual grass itself. That's why he's won four times. It's very tough to go against a four-time winner. And I know I've roasted Isner in the past pre-podcast era because I think he's one of the most overrated players of all time. He is still the best server of all time because he set the all-time record for aces during Wimbledon. And from what we've seen in the past on this court, you can really never break him. And, of course, he's been in a bunch of tie breaks here. He's done very well in tie breaks here. I do think Isner, I don't know if you can say it's an auto play, but it's really difficult to avoid taking the four-time champion who has looked very solid in this particular venue for about a decade. So I'm interested in him. Isner would be one choice. Cressy, I want to make a case for, but I'm really concerned about the double faulting. He's a solid servant volleyer, but with the speed involved, I am concerned if he double faults enough key points, he's not going to break enough. And he's been okay when it comes to returning for the most part, but I think I'm going to pass on Cressy because Van Rithoven scares the crap out of me. Mm -hmm. Now, I do want to pivot and talk about a potential longish shot who is an American First of all, if you're interested in spinning with Query, he's around 33 to 1. That's not who I'm talking about. Can I interest you in Jack Sock at around 20 to 1? And I'm looking at the overall layout. He would have a matchup against Bublik in the second round. 
And Bublik, we know, is a very good grass court player, very solid server. He lost to Anderson in the semis last year. He should have won the match. But Sock, with the Americans dominating in the past, and with Sock really looking sharp over the last couple of months in singles after falling off a cliff for a couple of years, do you think there's value taking the solid American, I'd say, player at the net who could use the forehand, use the hands at the net, and potentially wear down Bubla can force him into a bunch of mistakes. Because the way that I see it, I think Sock is talented enough to go on some type of Cinderella run. And if you look at him getting past Bublik, you're assuming Murray and Query are going to kill each other. You have Manorino in there too. I think Sock can actually get out of that region. Am I nuts? Uh, he has a tough draw. I'm not, it's not great. To you. I, it's not you, great, but I'm throwing it out there because we mentioned how Americans dominate the overall tournament in the past. And I'm wondering if there's any Americans you want to take a spin on. Are you interested in query at 33 to one? Over, over Jack sock. I actually am. I think if okay, he could get enough. past Murray, then uh, he could use a serving. Yeah. You know, he's a big server also when it comes to grass. So, um, when you're talking about serving, Alone, Query, I think, has the edge over Jack Sock. So if you could get it past Murray, he won't have to play Sock until the end of the quarter or Bublik. So I think I would rather go with Query than Sock, in my opinion, instead of having to play Bublik and then Query or Murray. For the record, I found 40 to 1 on uh, Query. Oh, all right. That's a, yep. I mean, more the 40. better. Yeah, more so, the better. So, I mean, if I, I'm trying I, I to go for a long shot, that's yeah, you're talking me. me. You're talking me off the ledge. It's fine. I was throwing it out there for fun. Yeah, I mean, for for if I'm going long shot, let's go bigger long shot here. I like I would I would prefer Query over Sock. Not saying that I think Query is really going to come out of this quarter, but if we're taking a long shot, that's who that's who I would be going with. I got a better question: Is Sock in doubles <laughs> for uh, Newport? I would I bet him. I would find. I would bet him every step of the way in Newport. But uh, if I'm looking at an actual long shot based on the draw and based on recent form, he's not American, but I do think there might be a little bit of value on Vesely in his particular region because Cressy and Van Ruthhoven have to play each other first. But you look at Vesely, he's playing Feliciano Lopez in round one. Lopez should retire at this mm-hmm. stage in his career. No offense, had a great run. He doesn't have it anymore. It is what it is. He's been terrible this year. So I think Vesely should win. And then he goes up against the winner of Kozlov Johnson. I'm assuming Johnson is going to win that one because he beat him on grass earlier this year, 6-0-6-0. So I'm assuming Johnson's <laughs> going to win that one. I think Vesely's a good enough server to beat Johnson. But I'm going to ask you, if you had to choose in a long shot battle between Vesely at 20-1 to and Johnson at 28-1, to or do you have any personal preference? Oh, yeah. No, I, no? I, I would Not like to stay as far away from those two as I possibly can. I, I, I can't get behind either one of those guys, no matter if Johnson is an American or not, that has won six zero six zero. I, I just can't get behind it because he'll have to play Cressy Isner. Then yeah. the final for the record, Johnson did win this tournament in twenty eighteen. <laughs> I think he's a different guy from twenty eighteen in my opinion. So I, I would I would stay away from that. In okay. my opinion. Just asking because Vesely had a pretty underrated run. In Wimbledon, he was fortunate because Batista Agut got injured and he was gifted a walkover, but he ended up winning a nice five-set match against Davidovich Fakina, and we've seen him on grass be a solid server. The injuries have been an issue for him in the past, but I was throwing it out there because I do think he's a good enough server 
and his strokes are good enough. Plus, he's a crafty lefty. People aren't exactly used to lefties. But I think he could potentially put something together, which is why I kind of brought it up. Uh, yeah, I think um, what you should really be looking out for is hope, hoping that they come out with these qu- with these quarter odds. Yeah, um, because that w- that would really be helpful uh, when it comes to picking these players. Because you don't have to look at such like uh, he has to play him, he has to play then he has yeah. to play him, then he goes into the final, then you have to hedge. So that's what I'm going to be really looking at compared to winners of the entire tournament here. I mentioned some of the guys that I like and that could make a run, but what I'm really looking to is to see if in the next 24 hours they come out with quarter odds. Yeah, I think that definitely makes sense, but I was throwing out a couple of potential long shots. Anytime you're taking a long shot, you're not exactly going to be thrilled. It's usually just based on how good the draw actually is, so you can focus on a later hedging opportunity. But it's a right. long shot competition between us. I'll take query. You could take anyone uh, uh, 20 to 1 or over than that. And then we can see to what one happens. Or over. Okay. That's, that's an interesting proposition. I mean, query is a tough one because he's got to face off against uh, Murray in the first round. If you want the long shot, that I'm actually going to have some fun with this. Let me just confirm for a second what the actual draw is for him. Yeah, you know what? Screw it. Let's have some fun. I'm taking Dominic Kempfer. Okay. All 100 right. to 1. Works. Works I'm, a, I'm a fan of Kempfer's game. I think that he's solid. <laughs> I think he's better on clay. But he did end up faring... He, he's, I think he's just a very solid player. And I think that he's crafty enough to force some problems for Isner and others. Now, is it realistic? No. But it's 100 to 1. And I think that he's a good enough player to exceed that 100 to 1 value or in other words i think that he should be closer to like 70 to 1 but i mean i'm looking through the results here he's not been particularly good on grass i'll admit it but he's facing off against a qualifier in round one i think he's got a shot to make some noise at 100 to 1 but screw it you know it's a long shot competition go big or go home don't try this at home that's all i'm saying you have anything else you want to talk about before we just recap the whole thing no i'm ready to recap all right so starting off with uh, Bastad, Sam, I'll let you go first. What are your favorite outrights? Uh, when it comes to the outrights on Bastad, let me pull up the odds again here. So, yeah, we have, we have that third quarter and that fourth quarter. You talked me into this one, actually. I think you're going to agree with me. I might be hijacking your pick here. I know I am, but uh, the rune idea at 14 to 1 is, you, you I think... 14? I see 14 to 1, yeah. Okay, for, cool. For, I, I thought it was 12, so I'll take it. Yeah, we'll take I think, it in this case. Yeah, I, I, I got to agree with you on that one. He has Rublev to play uh, when it comes into the quarter, and then you have to play the Cupcake third quarter, and then you, you just have to play Rude in the finals. So I don't see anyone else that has a clearer path that has the more value than Holger Rune right now. Yeah, so I'm on the same page as you there. Anybody else you're talking about, do you want to take a piece of Baez, or you're just going only with Rune? Uh, I'll take a piece of Roos of Worry, having to play Dominique team early. I really like that game, by the way, uh, putting money on Roos of Worry there. I'll be doing that for sure. The game spread, at uh, we mentioned, I said minus two and a half, I think, is minus 135. Against team, for the record. Yeah, against Dominique team, who really, he hasn't won at all. No, he's a, he's a name, he's a name brand at this point. Unfortunately for him, the injuries have been too much to overcome. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to laying money on that Rusevori here, there on that match. So if he's able to take a first round easy, he may be able to take a run. So I'll take a piece of Rusevori. Otherwise I like Holger Rune when it comes to the value. 
Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with Rune. I once again think that Rude, Rude probably wins the tournament, but there's no value at plus 175. I think Rune has a pretty solid path to potentially make it to the finals. And, you know, you'll deal with whatever cards you get. But I also like Bai as a 20 to 1. I just think he's a very talented clay player. Uh, we saw him take Zverev to five in the French Open. I know that he's capable of doing it. I think at 20 to 1, it's a very solid price for Baez. Now, moving over to Newport. Uh, Sam, just run through your case once again for the guys you like. Uh, it's it's going to be Cressy or Richthaven in the third quarter. But uh, as we talked about it, I think I'm leaning even more t- towards John Isner um, and taking that plus 550 on, that, uh, on him winning the tournament and seeing who he has to play in the final. Maybe he'll have to play Cressy or Richthaven, which will be tough for him. But Isner's played very well. Uh, I think he's going to run through his quarter, so he will only have to be in the semifinals there in the finals. And you never know who's going to have to face in the finals. He could be a favorite going into the finals. So that would be easy hedging opportunity if you wanted to go that route. So when it comes down to it, I, I know it's a very low number here. Well, pretty low number here, but I'm actually going to go with John Isner. We're not uh, picking to, the favorite in either, so we don't have to feel that bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going Felix. So, uh, yeah, I'm going I'm going to go with John Isner and the, watching him cruise through the quarter, seeing what happens after that, and then seeing who he has to play in the final. You never know what kind of explosion could happen in that first and second quarter. Maybe, maybe we could get a good hedge going there after when he hits the final. Yeah, definitely makes sense. But to go through mine... Uh, for Newport. Uh, it's, are you including Query in yours, or we're just doing a fun spin? Query for my big, big underdog. At, 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 you said 40 to 1 or 35 Yeah, to I one found 40. 40 to 1. Yeah, that's that's when my big, big underdog, if you want to lay, uh, put down you know a couple of dollars just for fun, then that, that's my guy to go to. Yep. For Newport, I'm also going with Isner. It's tough to go against the four-time champion. I talked at nauseum about the speed of the grass compared to Wimbledon. Isner should not be broken pretty much at all in this tournament, maybe once. I'm not even exaggerating. I just think he's going to dominate on this actual surface. And Isner is good enough on tiebreakers to hold serve and maybe get a mini break or so. Uh, Besides that, uh, I mentioned for a long shot Kempfer, but realistically, I look through the numbers. I'm not taking Kempfer at 100 to 1. I I talk myself out of it. I wanted to make a really bold claim at 100 to 1, but the grass results are just not there. I'm going to go with Vesely at around 25 to 1, which I found. I think he's good enough on grass to make to do some damage. He's a lefty with a good serve. I think he can catch people off guard. And looking at his overall draw, it's really not that bad. Vesely going through the actual uh, draw here would end up facing off against Feliciano Lopez in the first round. He's basically minus 500. Then the winner of Kozlov-Johnson, I think, I think Vesely is good enough to beat both those guys. And then he'll face off against the winner of Cressy Van Rithaven. I'm kind of just hoping those two kill each other, and then you end up getting an exhausted one against Vesely. But I think he's a good enough player, 25 to 1. So that's going to be my updated long shot special. I'll go with All Vesely right. at 25 to 1. I accept it. I accept your challenge. No problem. I have the tougher draw with Murray in the first round, but I'll take it. It's no problem. Well, you're, Actually, also, you're also getting 15 extra to 1 because of the draw in the first round. so Yeah, yeah. so I'll take that. Uh, folks, what I'd be looking at is to see in the next 24 hours if you could find some quarter bets here, see if you get Isner at a decent price, see if you could get um, maybe Richthofen or Cressy at a good price here, 
and playing it from from there as well. I think that's that's where value could be at if they do come out with the odds. So keep checking, keep seeing next 24 hours. Maybe they do come out with it and maybe you could get something good. Yeah, that's definitely good advice. I know both of us are going to be examining the quarter markets or refreshing the browsers, hoping that it pops up at some point. But other than that, though, that's going to do it for this episode. It's not really a lock and dog episode because we were focused solely on the outrights. And as a result, we gave you our favorite outrights for each tournament. But Sam, do you have anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Uh, if if I would be if I would be going with a dog, um, I guess you don't, ha- you don't have to. We know your lock's going to be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. It's just the futures anyway. So yeah, you you know what I've got my lock in for the games that one Rusevori match. I like that one a lot, uh, and that, I'm ready to wrap up. Cool. Well, Sam, I know that you have a big announcement to make for yes, social media. Where can the people find you? We've, you can find me on this podcast, but I have made a Twitter. I've come out with the Twitter. You guys can find me at Sam Jacob Tennis. Uh, I'll be coming out with content on Twitter. I'll be tweeting out any news that I hear or anything that I see that's interesting going on in the tennis world. So make sure to hit me up on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I got it. I got. I got there. I, I told you it was coming. I'm. I'm proud. You finally made the step. But you can find me on Twitter at Show Radio. Uh, besides that, looking forward to going through another episode in the next couple of days. We're not exactly sure which day. At some point during the tournament, we'll give you some updated tournament lines and some matches as well. But besides that, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.